This is Saving the Game, a Christian podcast about tabletop role-playing and collaborative storytelling. Recorded Monday, May 25th of 2018, it's bonus episode 14. In this episode, Jenny recaps Ottawa Comic-Con, the 200-word RPG challenge, Jim and the Holograms, and catching up on our various games. Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Grant. I'm Peter. And I'm Jenny. And this is a bonus episode without any guests, without any Patreon questions, without any scripture, without even a main topic other than stuff we've done lately. Yep. Thank goodness. Uh, to start off with, I got the con. The blah, blah, blah. I can speak words. <laughs> I I think maybe that's exactly what happened. Yeah, yeah, I got the con crud, and it's really bad, <laughs> and it's stuck with me for a, about a week now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. <laughs> so I think this is going to be kind of a longstanding tradition now because I say it is because that's how longstanding traditions work. <laughs> In the past, we've done bonus episodes for Fear the Con, where we kind of recap all of Fear yeah. the Con. That's mostly just because that's the only con we go to. But yeah, well, we, it's Save Against Fear. I did one. For yeah, save we did against Save fear. Against Fear, and I don't remember if we did that as a bonus episode or a regular episode. But I that think, was a bonus. That was a bonus episode. It okay, was regular good. episode length for sure. Yeah, but bonus episode. Yeah. So I think going forward, all of our con reports are going to be bonus episodes, just because. Yeah. The topic is the thing we want to talk about, and we don't really have any other banter, and sometimes we're going to be recording from the con and so on and so forth. It's it, This just is a chance for us to break our usual format and just talk about the thing without worrying about any of the other stuff. So this is great. Yeah, in fairness, be ready for another of these in about a month. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, Jenny and I will both be at Fear the Con, and I'm sure yeah. we're going to sit down with a microphone at some point and talk about it. So, uh-huh. Which is great. And we've got some other stuff we want to talk about, too, because we've had guests on for the past several episodes, and that's limited the amount of time to talk about the other stuff we've got going on that we think is relevant and things that our listeners want to hear about. So that's cool. So, Jenny, um, if you want to start us off just to uh, so that you can give your voice a break and just be done with it. okay? (laughs) um, (laughs) Tell us about Ottawa Comic Con. Ottawa Comic Con was was really fantastic. I got to go with one of my friends who I had not seen. We counted. We had to count. It was five years. We'd not seen each other in five years. Wow. Um, and uh, we got to go together, and it was it was so much fun because like we became friends because of our nerdy obsessions, and it it, it was just a, a really good, if crowded, time. It was incredibly crowded. Um, apparently. Uh, the previous year, Ottawa Comic Con peaked at about 47,000 attendees, approximately, give or take. Which uh, is still and, good. Uh, yeah. And this year, like, it was pretty clear that they'd surpassed that by a lot, probably because Jason Momoa was there. By the way, Jason Momoa walked by me in Artist Alley, and however big and tall and loud you think Jason Momoa is, add another, like, he's 10 times bigger as big and loud he yelled he yelled while he he was right beside me and my ears were ringing wow like like he was trying to catch up with one of his uh handlers or bodyguards or whatever and he was like hey i'm like oh (laughs) that hurt but um a little bit of paint crumbles off the wall over yeah (laughs) yeah um and i got i got to meet doug jones in person for those who don't know who doug jones is uh he's the fish man in the shape of water and he's the fish man in hellboy and he's 
a lot of things in various latex and makeup suits and stuff like that. Like you rarely oh, cool. see his actual face uh, in in any sort of film ever because he's the makeup guy. He's also um, the second in command in the most recent Star Trek series. Hmm. Uh, fun fact: that is the one of the very few series where they have not had to pad his butt at all. I thought you'd like to know that it's I I am happy you're having that knowledge because <laughs> like he is basically just like a stick figure. He's also a contortionist. So like he's incredibly like flexible and like, yeah, lithe and wiry. Uh, but yeah, why uh, he spends uh, so much time playing fishman. Yes. Yes. But but like even the fishmen's butts are padded. So <laughs> there's that. I'm, um, uh, got to meet okay. Doug Jones very briefly. Uh, and that was very cool. Uh, I did a cosplay. I did two cosplays, actually, but only one of them was, like, real cosplay. I'm saying that with quotation marks, because uh, all cosplay is real cosplay. But one of them was basically me with uh, a ponytail in my hair uh, with rope as a belt and wearing normal clothes. I was uh, cosplaying um, Naru from Barakamon, who's, like, a little kid. Gotcha. And... Uh, Nobody recognized me, and I'm fine with that. I did not expect to be recognized. I was just like, I'm going to be Naru today. Um, and so that was Friday. And then on this uh, Saturday, I was like, I'm not going to do any cosplay. It's going to be the busiest day of the convention. I just want to be me at this on this day. Um, and then Sunday, I cosplayed Songo from Inuyasha. And I had an excellent time. I was recognized by about 11 people and I got asked for photos four times. Oh, and I nice. also got like actual professional photos done, which oh, cool. was a first for me. Uh, there's a story around that. Actually, uh, I went up to the booth where where this professional photographer had set up. He had like uh, two sort of blocks at, uh, at the exhibitors hall. Uh, reserved and there was like a backdrop and those big umbrella flash things and everything and it, it was great um and so i i'm talking to uh one of his co-workers or whatever just signing up a slot and she was like so tell me more about the character you know so that he can get sort of more of a sense of of you know how to take the photos who this person is and i'm like so i so i basically run down who sango is and then i i had a uh a plushie of sango's let's call it a familiar yeah, Kira, who's like a, a cat that gets super big. And I sort of described like, this is a cat. Uh, it's normally this size, but sometimes it gets super big and then it has fire on its feet. And she's like, oh, do you want him to, you know, Photoshop the fire in? And I was like, excuse me? Because like I'd seen uh, sort of the types of photos he did. So you could get like a very basic photo that was just like one professionally done photo. You could get one that was Photoshopped and you could get three that were all Photoshopped. And when I, when he, when it said Photoshop, I thought that it meant like blemish correction or, or whatever that mm. like very basic stuff. But she, he was like, and, and then I talked to him and he's like, oh no, yeah, I can put fire on the feet of that cat. That's no problem. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so there are going to be uh, three professionally done photos of me holding a, a cat while wearing a costume. And uh, one of those photos will have the the feet and tail of that cat on fire. And I'm so excited. That um, sounds amazing. Yeah. The photos are not up yet, but by the time this episode comes out, they should be. So at that point, uh, I will have a link to put in the show notes. Uh, it's okay, very great. exciting. Actually, I could probably just link to the guy's site in general because he's got all of the photos that he did up publicly. Um, oh, cool. There was a really awesome uh, Tiny Tina. Like, um, 
it, it wasn't even just like a grown-up doing Tiny Tina. This was a young child cosplaying Tiny Tina. And this child had the patience to let her mom do all of the, the cartoony makeup stuff to make her look like she was in Borderlands. Like, I, I, I actually walked by this kid uh, in the washroom and I had to do a double take because I was like, those are really good graphics. Oh, wait, this is real life. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. So anybody who hasn't seen this, look up Borderlands cosplay. Yes. Okay. Because Borderlands has this incredibly heavily cell shaded style that's very graphic and yeah. like not in the sense of like being bloody, although it's it got is. a little bit of that because it's that game. <laughs> uh, but like it looks comic booky. Yeah. In many ways. Yeah, it has one of the most distinctive art styles you will ever see in video games. Yeah, because yeah. it's got a, a cool filter on, on everything, and it looks really good. Yeah. Apparently, that filter was a mistake, by the way. It was a very good mistake. Yeah. They did it, it as a mistake, a mistake, and then they were like, we like this better. Series. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But the people who do the cosplay for this often incorporate that, and they it's like having a cel-shaded person walking around, and it's yeah. super cool looking. Yeah, it is. I, I also have to give a shout-out to literally every cosplayer at this convention um the ottawa cosplay scene seems to be really heavy into the building side into the maker side of this so like Ooh. there was a full costumed chappy from the movie chappy wow like, and this person uh we now follow each other on instagram actually had like the the swagger down because at a certain point in the movie chappy like learns how to swagger and uh this person had that down pat Oh my goodness, I didn't actually get a picture of the individual myself, but um, I wish I had. Uh, this was also, I'm, I'm used to sci-fi and fantasy conventions, just like generic nerd stuff. This was also a very heavy comic book convention. There were more collector's comics booths than I could count, or than I bothered to count, because honestly, I'm not really into like the single issue comics. I'm more into buying the trade paperbacks. There, there were so, so many comics-related things. There was also apparently um, a group of dads who cosplay as Deadpool, and I think they call themselves Dadpool. <laughs> of course the, the they da do. Dadpool of Ottawa, and uh, th they were a riot. They were around on the last day. I, I recall seeing a space marine who had to have been on stilts that made him about, must have been eight feet tall, at least. Um, nice. Uh, there was a Groot, uh, a good eight-foot-tall Groot. <laughs> um, somebody, some brilliant individual, I did not get a, the opportunity to, to take a picture of this person, but they had crocheted themselves a full-body suit of the fish man from The Shape of Water. Wow. It was detailed. It had gills. It was amazing. And the this only... was done with crochet? It was either crocheted or knitted. I think it was knitted, wow. actually, because there, there was pearl pattern. I can only um, imagine how long that must have taken. Ages and ages. The only, like, difference, really, between, like, the costume and the character was that this individual was wearing swim trunks. That's the only difference. But, yeah, they, they crocheted themselves that. It was amazing. I, I, I can just imagine, like, with the amount of time that's involved, the person yeah. just walks into the theater with this huge thing of yarn and starts crocheting <laughs> as the movie is playing. <laughs> just so they yeah. can be ready for the con. Yeah. I gotta say, good knitters are incredibly fast. Oh, yeah. They yeah. are. 
Absolutely. I think I also saw, I think it was probably the same person. Uh, they also knit themselves a, a different cosplay that I, I didn't recognize and I don't even know how to describe it, but it was like fully knitted as well, but did not involve like a full head knitted part. Uh, the right. Fishman did involve the full head being knit. I don't know how they saw out of the <laughs> out of the costume at all. Um, but yeah, they were, it, it was sort of awkward. I wish I'd gotten a picture because they were also in line uh, to get a photo op done with uh, Doug Jones, who I'm sure appreciated it. And uh, it was really cool. I got to go to a panel, uh, not not a panel, a uh, Q and A for uh, Bruce Boxleitner, who, for those who don't know, he is uh, the longest running captain on Babylon Five, among other things. He was also Tron in Tron, <laughs> um, but he's like the friendliest grandfather you've ever met. I, I actually got to ask him a question at the Q and A, uh, and he was he was so friendly and a, li- a little rambly, but yeah, it was also his, his birthday that weekend, and that was very cool. Uh, we sang cool. him happy birthday, and that was nice. I'm trying to think of what else I should probably get into the gaming side of things at this point because <laughs> I was mean actually, I guess yeah, you know. but like <laughs> the thing about cons is like especially a, a con like that where it's not yeah. a sit down and game con. Yeah, there's so much cool stuff to see. Oh, I just kind of want to talk about all of it. Yeah. Oh, by the way, there were three cars there that you could get uh, pictures with. Uh, the Mustang, uh, like the Bumblebee Mustang, um, mm-hmm. the uh, Jeep from Jurassic Park, oh, cool. and the 1967 Impala from Supernatural. Uh, oh. It was possible to get pictures with all of those cars. That's interesting um, because the, yeah. the con down here, the con scene around me has completely different cars to get pictures with. <laughs> Some, somebody's got an Ecto-1. Okay. And uh, there's a whole group of people who do um, Ghostbusters cosplay, and I'm pretty sure it's theirs. Okay. And then somebody's got uh, Adam West Batman Batmobile. Ooh. Yeah, and you can get pictures in those, so those are great. But yeah, it's interesting that it's completely different cars. Yeah. You'd think fandoms would be a little more similar, but who knows? Uh, yeah. Uh, there was also, like, a f- there was a booth for the Ghostbusters cosplayers of Ottawa, which is super specific, but there were a That's bunch of real Ghostbusters specific. Cosplayers. Wow. Yeah, they've got, like, a whole club based around it, and they go do, I think they go to do charity stuff, mostly. Mm, um, yeah. uh, it's pretty cool. Also, the, uh, oh no, what's it called? The Something Battalion, 501st? Yeah, 501st. 501st Battalion was there. Uh, they had a huge section blocked off that was decorated like the cantina. That's And, and they had really the cantina cool. band playing and everything, and it was really great. Uh, oh, there was also an amazing moment where the Doctor Who Society and the Ewoks, not the Ewoks, the uh, Jawas got together and the Jawas and a Dalek were chasing each other around in circles. <laughs> Oh my! It was amazing. I did not get video. I feel so bad. I can just imagine that exterminate Utini. <laughs> they they were there was a lot of Utini and stuff like that. Um, and there was also a Dalek. It it didn't say exterminate, but it was something along the lines of "Stop chasing me! Stop chasing me!" Um, it, it was it was pretty funny. Um, yeah, pictures were taken. Video was not. I regret not getting to my phone in time. Um. Uh, but that was great. Um, uh, yeah, also the Doctor Who Society was there. I went to a panel that they did uh, that was about women in Doctor Who. Um, and it was okay. Uh, 
they were also raising money for uh, the Children's Hospital. Uh, Ottawa has a hospital called CHEO, which is Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario. I went there to get my appendix removed when I was seven. So wow. fond yeah. memories. Yeah, I guess fond uh, drugged up memories. There were a lot of drugs that had to happen. Um, so I honestly don't remember it very well. But um, th- there was a lot of fundraising for CHEO, actually. Uh, so, so that was good. Uh, anyway, to the gaming. There was not terribly... There, there was a lot of merch for D&D, but there was mm-hmm. not, not a lot of D&D going on. Uh, there was only one room reserved for tabletop, and they had to share it with... Like, like the, the room was basically split in half so that half of it could host panels and the other half could be used for tabletop gaming. Mm-hmm. It was basically like a free gaming space, so there was no scheduled gaming. It was just like, you go in, bring a board game, or, and this is a thing that I'm really happy about, uh, there was a, I, I want to call them like a company but it's it seems to be like two people who run it and then a bunch of other people who were helping out in the convention uh called meeples to go and they Mm -hmm. are a board game rental company based out of darn it where are they based out of they're they're not actually based out of ottawa hang on a second i don't know where they're from i I should remember but i don't i feel bad They're, Um, they're a rental board game company yeah, uh, they were super, super nice. My friend and I showed up early on the first day because we had I, I decided to go with the deluxe pass for this because uh, the deluxe pass lets you park and get in an hour early, which is incredibly valuable <laughs> at a convention that gets this crowded. So we showed up an hour an hour early and uh, we basically went straight to the to the board game room because I had a, a, a game called Potletch that I wanted to play. It's one that I backed on Kickstarter. It's really cool uh, mm-hmm. about um, the Western indigenous peoples of Canada, uh, how they did trading um, and how they do trading now. Uh, it's a, a gifting ceremony called Potlatch. And so it's a, a game basically simulating that. It's all about giving and you are not allowed to like give yourself anything it's all about being incredibly generous um it uh it's it's really cool but i'd never played it with a lot of people before Mm -hmm. and so my friend and i walk in and it's all of these people just like basically sitting around waiting for people to show up and i'm like hey i got this game i want to play but it doesn't really work with two people did does anybody want to jump in and like a good three or four other people jumped in and and we we got to play properly and it was really nice uh they were all super and they remembered our names throughout the 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 convention and that was that it was totally awesome um so Meeples to Go was hosting the board game library. They were also sharing the room with a game store called Kessel Run, uh, who runs a pandemic tournament, which I got to take part in. My team was the first to lose, but we were also the first to get to three cures out of oh, okay. four. So that was fun. Um, for those who don't know how a pandemic tournament works. Like me. Like you. Or me. <laughs> or Peter. <laughs> Basically, you're, you're paired up into groups of two so it's like pairs of people against everybody else and you all have the exact same deck and what what i mean by the exact same deck i mean the cards are all in the same order so there's that base deck and then um there is only one deck that has uh that basically spreads the infections throughout the the whole rest of the world um and uh one of the organizers will hold that deck and flip over the cards and call them out so 
The infection deck is entirely out of your control. You don't even get to see it. And all of the roll cards are the same as well. So you all have the same powers to work with. So it's basically just how do do these two people react in the exact same scenario with the exact same events? And right. how it's does that seated, work? Basically, like you've got a yeah. seated setup. Yeah. Huh. And That's it's cool. It is really cool. Yeah. I would highly, if you ever get the chance, absolutely do it. It's a little stressful. Uh, also, your your it's turns pandemic. are timed. Yeah. So so your so each turn is only allowed to take one minute and fifteen seconds. Because pandemic didn't have enough stress. Right. Yeah. yeah it it's, wasn't it's a tense enough a, game already. It's actually a surprising amount of time. I never felt stressed about time at all ever. Not once. Okay. Um. It, it was a surprising amount of time surprisingly long amount of time to work with and uh it, it was really really cool uh i was originally gonna uh be paired up with the person that i went to the convention with but then i got they, they got stuck in a lineup to see matt smith to get autographs from matt smith and it was taking a long time and they were just like i don't think i'm gonna be able to make it and then apparently another guy who was there his wife was stuck in the same line <laughs> and so he was like <laughs> i don't think my wife can make it either and um so we just got paired up. He was a super cool dude. I wish I'd gotten his name, but I didn't. Oh, well. Eh. Also, it, it was really cool. There were so there was a lot of board gaming that was happening. And then also there was a lot of D&D material that was being sold. So there was like a lot of the core books. But there were also people there selling supplemental materials like third party. So one of one of which in particular that I want to make note of called the Deck of Many were super freaking friendly. Um, and really nice. I'd actually seen like advertisements for their Kickstarter before and I'd thought about backing it, but I didn't. And after talking with them at the convention, I then promptly got the PDFs of all of the decks that they've made. But basically the deck of many, they make sort of reference cards, uh, for, for D and D. So you get like the deck of monsters and it's got a whole bunch of monsters uh, on like slightly large playing cards, with some fantastic art uh, done by a guy called uh, Jordan Richer, who is a, a really cool dude. I also got some of his art that he was selling separately from uh, the Deck of Many. Side note, I'd really like to get these guys on um, to talk about D&D supplemental material because they really know their stuff um, in terms of what is useful uh, as like a prop or as a... a, a a piece of supplemental material. Um, yeah. Yeah. That actually so, ties into the topic that we were going to talk about, or I think we are talking about next time. Yeah. Which is getting started as a GM. Yeah. I think, you know, getting all of that, those supplementary products can become a trap, right? We all know the guy who has, you know, the crates full of D&D stuff that doesn't mm -hmm. actually do any good at the table or maybe it does once and then yeah. got this litter around or or it's just like pretty but it slows the game down so much yeah like uh, dice towers like guys yeah. just just roll your dice yeah stuff like that it'd be interesting to talk about that kind of supplementary material and and how to make it useful and good because these guys actually know how to do that yeah um, so that'd be cool yeah, and, and so, like, the, these individual cards, on the front, you'll have the art for whatever it is, and on the back, you have the stats and what that thing does. So there's the, the deck of monsters, there's the deck of weapons, there's the deck of conditions. They also do have um, a deck of many things, which originally I was going to do my own art for my deck of many things game at Fear the Con, but now I think I'm just going to use the PDF that I got from them, because uh, the art is so fantastic, and uh, they also... 
asked me like, hey, because because I told them about the game that I wanted to run. And I was like, I, I really like that you guys have made this this deck that d- doesn't cost literally about two hundred dollars on Amazon. Um, and and they were like, oh, no, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so they actually wanted to know if I was going to record the deck of many things game. Hmm. Um which I, uh, I I actually had been thinking of doing, but I, it's a thing that I want to like get the permission of all of the players for. Sure. Um, yeah. but Always get consent before you do an actual play, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Because it also makes some people super awkward in, in, a, in a way. Like, as soon as people know that they're being recorded, they act a little differently. Like, I act, I mm-hmm. act differently on the mics on regular Saving the Game episodes than I do in real life. Not that much differently, though. Uh, not that much. Yeah, but there's uh, always the but, little bit. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I'm much happier on the mics than I ever am in person. <laughs> yeah, can confirm. Yeah. Grant yeah. is a cranky old curmudgeon. Yeah. It's anyway, true. <laughs> uh yeah, uh so Rico uh, Rico Evangelo and Jordan Richer uh were were super friendly. Um I they actually were giving out um sample cards and one of the pairs of cards that was there there was um a dire hair and then they had a recipe card for dire hair stew that is a legit recipe for rabbit stew. That's um, great. That's yeah. cool. That was awesome. There were a lot of I, I ended up taking a lot of like artists' cards because like there's only so much art I can buy. By the way, I bought a lot of art. I didn't actually buy a lot of things. I just bought a lot of prints of art that I really liked. Um no bad thing. No, no, yeah. absolutely not. And it, it fits better in terms of like just space because I can put it on my walls or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. Perhaps it's having children, but I am tired of having litter around the house. Yeah. Like statues and, and figurines mm-hmm. and stuff. It's valuable shelf space. Yep. <laughs> the walls, that's free reign. I can put cool geeky stuff up there. Yeah. I'm also con- seriously considering buying a gigantic photo album to put some of the prints in because oh, that's an idea because I'm, cool I'm the idea. kind of person who likes art books a lot. Like if I don't want to actually like if I don't actually care about the gameplay of a game, I will buy the art book of that game if I like the art. Like I did that with a board game called Abyss. Um, I'd read a review of it and it didn't seem like my kind of board game, but the art is amazing. So I bought mm-hmm. the art book. And so, so getting a photo album, putting all the art in there. Um, there were also a lot of like young artists, like younger than me. There was one girl there who was like 17 and she was like, she had like this full booth of so much beautiful art. There was another, I, I bought a lot of keychains as well. Cause, uh, we actually recently, my, my family happened to end up having two of the same car so now we have four sets of keys that are identical so i was like i need to make mine separate from everybody else so i got like four keychains oh by the way hey what's up with nobody making any art of zarya from overwatch i don't know there were two two people making art of zarya from overwatch that is disappointing. Yeah. Maybe that you'll see more now that uh, Gregory's in for Shanghai Dragons. Yeah, hopefully. Maybe. It's hopefully. such a cool character design. She's I- so awesome. But everyone was like, Tracer, Mercy, Junkrat. I saw one Lucio. There there was actually a lot of Zenyatta. I was surprised because Zenyatta has like no official stuff. He's not uh, that- You know, he's odd and yeah. maybe that does it. Yeah. Yeah, the whole yeah. like 
floating robot, you know, monk spiritualist thing is yeah. such a unique and weird thing that it's it like, is. oh, I want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would happily. There are a couple of Overwatch characters that I would happily get like some art of, and they are not the ones that are the go to. Oh, look, you know, super sexy character kind of yeah. thing. It's like, eh, no, those are those are generic. Yeah. Harissa. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Give me my yes. Robo Centaur. Yes. yes. My incredibly protective Robo Centaur. Yeah. There were a few of Arisa, but again, not that much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there there was also one artist um, who I am now seriously considering commissioning for our uh, motorcycle game. She was one of the very few people doing Fire Emblem art, and, and I did get two keychains from her. Cool. And uh, yeah, that's all I can think of right now. <laughs> In terms of, of things that I did at the convention, but it, it was such a fun time. It sounds like you had a lot of fun. Yeah, I, it was it was pretty fun. Uh, I think that next year, I really hope, and I mean, there it's not like there are many other spaces in Ottawa to do this convention at, but I hope they can find a bigger space next year because there were nine women's bathroom stalls. Oh. Ooh, I don't know how much it was bad. for the men, but I counted and there were nine women's bathroom stalls. For about 50,000 people. And to be clear, that's stalls, not restrooms. There were three, uh, yeah, three restrooms, three stalls in each. Yeah, that's a bit of a problem. Yeah, yeah. Nine bathroom stalls is not sufficient. There was not enough room for tabletop gaming, especially considering the way that board games have, like, exploded in the last few years. There was not enough space for all of the open gaming that was happening. There was not enough space for that. They may be able to, like, get some side space or something like that. Like, maybe it's not a bigger venue, but they get space next to the con. Yeah. That's how, like, Dragon Con kind of did it. Yeah. Uh, where they just started, like, expanding out into nearby, like, hotel areas and, and okay. everything like that. Yeah. They they would have to move to a different cent- convention center for that because this one is right by the airport, basically in the middle of a gigantic field. Yeah. Well, maybe some it, tents it, will go up in the gigantic field in maybe. the future. <laughs> Board game maybe. tents. Yeah. yeah. Although honestly, I would I would prefer to keep the board open, games inside. Open to the oh, elements. Yeah. Whatever could possibly go wrong with wind yeah. and board games. And then honestly, I would be fine with having like one gigantic sort of space outside for panels and stuff. Because that was another issue they ran into. Like a lot of the panels that they were hosting were like lighting up all the way down the hall and there was not enough room for everyone. Mm. For like most of the panels that were were happening, like the Women in Doctor Who panel, there were people sitting on the floor in front of the stage. There were people leaning up against walls. There there were maybe hang on, let me let me do some quick math. I think there were about twenty five chairs there for people who wanted to listen, and like that that's not enough for a no. panel about women in Doctor Who when you have Matt Smith at your convention. That is not yeah. sufficient, especially when you schedule that panel on the day when he's doing his Q&A, when people are going to be there. That's not enough. Yeah, no, that's not going to cut it. Yeah, so there was just not enough space to do a lot of the things that I was really interested in doing. Um, hmm, that's a so shame. hopefully they're able to find some sort of solution. All, overall, I had an amazing time. Uh, the con cried, you know, minor, minor difficulty. Um, right. Compared hashtag to like, worth. Yeah. Hashtag worth it. And I'm I'm really happy that I that I went. Oh, that's kind of an inevitability with cons. You know, you know, you're oh, going to yeah. get the con crud. You just. Yeah. Oh, by the way, there was an Uncle Iroh cosplayer who had actual tea samples. Ah. 
Oh, that's amazing. And he was in character the entire time. It made me so happy. But honestly, that may be where I've gotten the con crud from, from the tea. That's entirely oh. possible. Yeah. Eh, worth it. It was good eh. tea, too. It was not hot leaf juice. It was good nice. tea. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> okay, anything else? I think that's it. Okay, I will try and link as much of this as I can in the show yeah. notes. Yeah. Uh, I'll work with Jenny to get links to stuff over the next week or so, and mm-hmm. we'll make that happen. So definitely yeah. check the show notes for this episode, which uh, you can find on our website, stgcast.org. I try and copy some of those into like our Facebook post or uh, on our Reddit, stuff like that. But the hyperlinks don't always go in there. So if you want links, definitely go to our website, just to be clear. Uh, I've got a little bit to talk about as well. Uh, first, I want to plug something real quick. My wife, Chrissy, has been a guest on Saving the Game a couple of times. Uh, She was on talking about uh, fitness, and she was on talking about uh, visual character design, specifically clothing. (laughs) Both of which were two-parters. Yeah, because they were really good. Uh, We had a lot to talk about, which was great. Well, she's on another uh, at least two-part podcast. She was on the Gameable podcast. Uh, Our friend Chris Newton puts that on, and uh, Chrissy was over, over there to talk about Jim and the Holograms. And as of this recording, the first episode is out, and the second one will probably be out by the time uh, this drops. So definitely go check that out. It's really good. And I'm not just saying that because I love my wife. It's really fun. <laughs> I've listened to it like five times now, and it's not stopped being awesome. Yeah, I mean, granted, this is Chrissy and Chris, so we knew it was going to be good just based on that. They could have talked about cereal the entire time, and it would have been okay. <laughs> Which yeah. is something that always gets discussed on Gameable Saturday morning, by the way. So yes. yeah, of course. I mean, you got to talk about your Saturday morning breakfast cereal. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well known fact, uh, and not the comic. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's a really fun time. It is the most '80s thing that ever '80s around the television set, and well worth listening to because it's really fun, but also weirdly suited for different kinds of games. So give it a listen. It's really cool. The other thing I want to mention, and this is just a real quick thing, is that I guess technically I'm now a published game author. Yay! Yay. Kinda. I guess it counts. That's a thing. Stop um, burying the lead and talk about it. I, yeah. I'm pretty sure that was the lead right there. Um, months ago, I heard about the 200-word RPG challenge. I must have heard about it from like System Mastery or something like that because they did an episode on it. Mm-hmm. But I submitted a game uh, that Chrissy actually helped me edit and kind of pare down some of the ideas. I got feedback from Jenny and Peter as well, uh, feedback from a few other folks, and it seemed overall pretty positive. Made one or two little tweaks here and there and finally got it in. So I think submissions will be closed by the time this episode drops because they're not open super long. But yeah, that's out there. So Technically, I have a 200-word RPG that has been submitted to a competition and published on their website, which is great. Not going to know anything about, you know, like, did I even become, make a finalist? Not going to know anything about that for a while. There have been a lot of submissions, which is really exciting. Yeah. I'm not actually going to, like, I could theoretically read the RPG because it is literally 200 words. <laughs> but I'm not actually going to do that because one of our listeners and Patreon backers is a reader for the judging. So yeah. out of respect to them, going to hold off. Do we do we have to keep this individual anonymous? I mean, we might as yeah, well. We probably should. I don't even know. But you know, <laughs> we, we know who they are and yeah. good on them. Yes. I don't know how that works. And I'm going to play it safe for, every, <laughs> okay. for everybody's benefit. Well, 
this is a person that we definitely know and they are demonstrating substantial integrity by deliberately recusing themselves from grant submission. So, but yeah, it does feel weirdly good to be like, yeah, I made a thing and people can see it. So that's cool. If you want more of those, by the way, the, um, I'll, I'll link to the website. It's 200 wordrpg.github.io and all of the submissions going all the way back to 2015 can be found there. And it's really cool. And they have a, a section for just like the winners and finalists of different years. If you want to see like the ones everybody picked as the best from those past years, it's a cool little thing because I like the idea of trying to make a game that is as minimalist as you can get. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised it works at all. <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing what you can pack into 200 words. I mean, they're all very No, it's amazing what loose. you can pack into 200 words. At 200 <laughs> words, I'm still on the intro for something. Yeah. I have the curse of verbosity when it comes to my writing. Yeah. Uh, okay, fair. But, you know, people like uh, Grant Howitt do amazing one-page games. So, like, Grant Howitt is a, a game designer. He did uh, Honey Heist and yeah. a few other really fun games. And his specialty is, like, these little one-page games. And he won uh, 2017. Hmm. You know what? In fact, I am going to read his game because this gives you an idea of what you can put into 200 words. Okay, so this is Mechanical Oryx. And this is this is the 2017 winner of the same contest that you're entered in for 2018. Right. Okay. You have many whirring eyes and strong, beautiful, coiled steel legs and were made long ago when the cities still stood. You spread one plants, light, music, warmth, power, knowledge, rust something else. The longer you stay in one place, the more intense it gets. You have three installed modules. Tell us what they do. You walk the green places where soft brown people tend to fruit trees and sing songs they don't understand. They pray, dispel the curse on our village, destroy the phantoms that plague us, teach us the song that makes the fruit grow. When you act and the outcome is in doubt, roll 2d6 and spend fuel. If you get seven or more, you achieve your aims. If you roll a double, your solution causes an unexpected problem, and something is lost forever. When you act with love, roll 1d4 plus 1d6. When you act with hate, roll 3d6. You have 10 fuel. When you have none, you stop. When you use a module, replace 1d6 with a d8. If it shows 8, the module breaks. Happy people build shrines for you containing fuel and modules. Without the shrines, you will become a dangerous, scavenging thief, a phantom. That's it. Ooh. Wow. 200 words. That is a complete game that is incredibly evocative and really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing I'm up against, <laughs> which is why I'm going like, man, if I made finalists, that'd be awesome. Beyond that, it's just like, you know, shower daydream level, level stuff. <laughs> um, people make really cool games for this and it's super fun. And just to be clear, there's no prize for this thing other than bragging rights, basically, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, basically. It's it's really like a writing exercise. It's the RPG equivalent of like a one-page NaNoWriMo. Hmm. And yeah. that's that's great because it's a fun little like game design exercise. Do I have an idea? Can I create an evocative system that generates story and where along the spectrum of pure story game to the point of just being almost writing prompt to actual system where can i place that so it's fun anyway uh we do have some other gaming to talk about yeah actually i have one other piece of just kind of general news too oh shoot go ahead i am done with school Hooray! Yay! <laughs> you the, did it at the age of 
39 and a half. I am finally done with my formal <laughs> schooling, I think. I have, Good work. I, have, I have been in school consistently with no more than a two-year gap since kindergarten. <laughs> oh, wow. Strange new world full of free time and books to fill it. Yeah, so I'm going to start attacking my reading list now. <laughs> and my watching list and my playing list and yeah. So yeah. cool. Anyway, um yeah. yes, onto our gaming news. Sorry. Yeah, that's fine. Uh cuz that gave me a break cuz I have <laughs> something else to talk about which is um so we we have a lot of role-playing game stuff to talk about like tabletop role-playing games, but I did want to talk about a role-playing thing I'm doing with my daughter who is 5 and we have been playing Secret of Mana on the weekends. Okay. It's really interesting because she is super into role-playing her character. <laughs> it's possible that some of you are young and <laughs> don't know what Secret of Mana is because you've heard vague rumors of your parents' Super Nintendo. So let's let's talk about Secret of Mana. Secret of Mana is a uh, 16-bit Super Nintendo role-playing game, and Second Densetsu 3 was never translated, uh, which is a real shame because it was in some ways even better. But Secret of Mana, as it was known in the U.S., has just one of those incredible soundtracks from the heyday of Squaresoft and Nobuo Uematsu's incredible compositions. Uh, this is the same guy who did the music for all the Final Fantasy games, for Chrono Trigger, any good RPG from that era that you remember its soundtrack on. It's probably him if it's Squaresoft. It was a fun action role-playing game, very bright and cartoony, unlike a lot of other games of the era. You know, very vibrant. A lot of fun. So my five-year-old had seen me play some of this before, but I figured, you know, let me see if she can do it. Because one of the cool things about Secret of Mana is you have three characters, and each of them can be individually controlled. In fact, if you had a multi-tap, and I was fortunate enough to do so, uh, you could have three controllers plugged into your Super Nintendo and and have three people playing different characters. Uh, the Super Nintendo, just for the record, only had two ports normally for controllers. So that was really cool because it's very much a, a console RPG, one of those play it straight through in a linear fashion kind of games, but it had multiple player support, which was rare for that time. Still is. Turns out she's pretty good with the basic combat. So she's been having a lot of fun just running around like she feels really proud of herself when she gets a good hit on an enemy and kills him. She started calling her kills like, nope, this one's mine, <laughs> which is a lot of fun. Don't you dare steal my kill, dad. Yeah, a little bit of that. <laughs> she's getting a little confused now that magic has been introduced, but mm. she's getting the hang of that. But she is so into the characters. That's what's really interesting. So you, you start off as playing the boy and then a little bit later you get the girl in your party and then eventually the sprite joins your party and these are all characters you can re rename that's why i'm calling them just kind of by their archetype hmm. well she insisted that i name the boy grant the girl <laughs> is her name and the the sprite is my other child's name our our two-year-old yeah. boy and when she's like when there's dialogue she insists that i read the dialogue in character but she reads her parts huh and she's super involved in like you know, the girl has this quest to go rescue her fiance, Dyluck, who her dad's trying to marry her off to someone else for a political match. And she's like, no, I'm not having any of that. I want Dyluck. Uh, and Dyluck has been kidnapped and will conti will continue to be kidnapped. So, hey, it's the princess rescuing the prince, which is always a nice <laughs> twist on things. Yeah. 
<laughs> you spend the whole game chasing him around, trying to rescue him. And it's really funny. But she's like super into, no, we got to go rescue Dylock. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been doing that and it's fun. Good. Very cool. You have a little gamerling. Enjoy. I really do. And she she really loves it. She does occasionally have issues focusing. We had issues with that today. Hmm. She was pretty wild all day today because five. And occasionally she would just stop in the middle of a fight and just be like looking at something else in the room or thinking about something else. We'd be like, sweetie, need some help. Come on. You, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, Daddy's going to die here. <laughs> yeah, I had to kind of chivvy her back on task and, until we got to a save point. But, you know, five years yeah. old. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, as far as the tabletop, we've got other stuff to talk about. Peter, you want to kick us off? Sure. I mean, I I did a, an actual blog post detailing kind of what happened in the, the first session of the, the new game that I'm running. That's off to a pretty decent start. They have uh, the players have been exploring their starting town and starting to involve themselves in some of the goings on there. Grant PC was mildly annoyed by a non-corrupt giant greenhouse farm. So that was kind of amusing. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, it's it's turning out to be an interesting uh, kind of a different feel from Grant's Colony game, which I was hoping for. And some of that's just the difference in our GMing styles. But obviously, you know, having Jenny in the mix is helping, too. You know, we've got an additional player, so that's always good. You know, it's it's good yeah. to have the full four instead of three. It gives me a chance to game with Jenny a little more frequently, which I yeah. really hadn't done in the past, even though we've no. been friends for ages and part of the same gaming community. Yeah. And it's been really fun to to be part of this because this like as much as this is your setting, you're also letting us have a lot of agency in it. And I've been having a lot of fun, like collaboratively building this character and building like the town she grew up in and stuff. That has been super, super fun. Yeah, yeah. it's it's nice to design a setting with some other people because I have a certain set of tropes that I kind of unconsciously fall into as just about anybody creative does right yeah and working on something together kind of makes you not do that so much yeah. so that's a that's a good thing the the one gripe that i have is kind of an art related one so <laughs> <laughs> and actually it, it kind of arises out of jenny's art related gripe so we've yeah. got um our party has a human um obviously you can find gazillions of pieces of fantasy art dealing with humans uh it's got a wood elf, Grant's player character. Um, wood elves are fairly, you know, I mean, they're not super common, but you can definitely find art of them. As I can find things. elf art if I need to. Yes. <laughs> Chrissy's character is a tiefling. Apparently, people love to draw tieflings because it's they got horns. <clears throat> yeah. I just swallowed my cough drop. This is bad. Oh, no. It hurts so much. <laughs> this is not a regular cough drop, folks. This is a really intense one. <laughs> ah. Anyway, um, but like tieflings have gotten super popular and it's like I'm I'm betting it's 99% because of the horns. Because people want to have probably horns in real too. life. Because having horns would be super awesome. Yeah. So, you know, you can you can just find pages and pages of, you know, tiefling art. Jenny, as far as we can tell, how many Raptoran pictures exist on the entire internet? About seven, maybe? About seven. And three of those are graphite art that was scanned in and is now on DeviantArt and is clearly like somebody's Raptoran that looks nothing like mine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 
I I will be commissioning Ro to to do something about that because I need I need to have different Raptoran art because the one that we're using for me right now is A, of probably a dude, and B, is playing some sort of mid-air game that looks a little bit like Hyalai or tennis. Um, so I, See, I was, I was thinking Quidditch crossed with rugby myself, but... Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely sports Raptoran and not, you know, yeah. cool bard Raptoran. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got to say, Peter, I am actually having trouble with your game a little bit because I'm having trouble getting a grip on my character. And this might just be because I've been GMing for ages and haven't played Had to a- sink into a single character. Yeah, I, that's some of it. Even the Fellowship game that went on for a while, you know, it's every two weeks, just like this game. It's a little hard yeah. sometimes to get back in the headspace. And your setting is just so nice and clean and <laughs> full of good people there's no friction there's nothing i can bounce people off of it's ugh. not that you've seen yet anyway <laughs> i'm teasing a little but yeah like it, part of me is like where does this character fit because i've made a character who was trained by brutal secret martial arts masters and is a burglar and it's like we're out like helping a dude in a diner and then <laughs> Helping somebody grow their farm. They're very nice, very well-run, disgustingly well-managed, and not at all secretly a drug-front greenhouse farm. And it's all terribly disappointing. <laughs> no, I'm looking forward to other other parts of this this game. But, like, right now, it's just like, I need a, my character to get some sort of handle on this setting because yeah, it's yeah. not happening right now. <laughs> yeah, Hull is a bit of a fish out of water at the moment. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and your time will come. And so the <laughs> thing is, like, that would be super cool later on. But as the starting point, it's like my character feels awkward and out of place for this game rather than this is the part where my character is awkward and out of place in this yeah. story. But there are other parts where it fits in. Yeah. Like the, we the haven't problem, had that happen yeah, yet. The problem is the other three player characters fit perfectly in this scenario. Yeah. I know. It's like I, know. I had to thread the needle a little bit. Yeah, no, Chr- Chrissy's playing a, a tiefling paladin, which is awesome. By, by the way, can I please point out that we are all on motorcycles? I, I've mentioned yeah. this before, but we're all <laughs> yeah. on motorcycles and it's a great deal of fun because we are just like biker cowboys rolling into town and fixing problems and yeah, that, that's as it great turned out this this setting that i've been designing for like the last six months is perfect for western style storytelling oh absolutely and you know so we're just gonna go with it um yeah but one of the one of the things that uh you will sometimes see in westerns grant is some corruption that needs to be rooted out and yeah don't worry <laughs> no no like i'm not actually worried it's just yeah, it I know. really is I'm one just, of those things where like the classic, we go to the place where the character doesn't fit in. That's a totally normal scene, right? Yeah. yeah. It's just we're starting with that. And so the unstated assumption, like the the gut feeling I get is my character is wrong for this game. Nah. Even though I know intellectually, no, my character is wrong for like this particular part. And they are purposefully yeah. and uncomfortable because that's not what they're from. It's, just, it's purely a psychological yeah. thing. I, I gotta say, though, Grant, I am waiting for the moment where Hala just, like, cracks her knuckles, stretches her arms, is like, I'm ready. This is what I was made for. I am yes. so looking forward to that moment. Oh, me too. I, I really am. And I'm doing some interesting stuff with this character that I haven't normally done. And I don't know if we want to talk about that here because it's 
it hasn't come up yet, but like yeah. there's things I'm planning on that I'm interested in because it's me stretching my experiences as a player in some unusual yeah. directions. So that's And good. I think one of the things in particular that I know that you want to do, I think would be an amazing entire episode but that that'll be the whole episode so yeah it probably will be and i'd like to write notes for that first so fair fair but yeah i'm, I'm having fun with it so far and i'm very much looking forward to next week when we play so yeah you actually might start getting into your element um depending on how the inevitable fight that's coming <laughs> you know how much of the session that eats up you might yeah. start getting into your element as early as next week. I kind of got a hint of that, but I am also looking yeah. forward to the opportunity to roundhouse kick a manticore in its teeth. So I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'm really, I, really looking forward to that part. Uh, one other thing that I, I want to kind of give like a public shout out to all four of my players for. I assigned an, an unreasonably large amount of homework to my players for this it, game, and they it was all stepped not up unreasonable. And- <laughs> it was not unreasonable in the least, at least not for me. I can come up with a character pretty quick, like just a basic character concept. Okay, f- uh, fair enough. But but let me get to what actually happened out of this. So, um, I asked all three of my or all four of my players for three NPCs each, tied to their backstory in some way. Not a single one of them gave me that few. <laughs> um, Technically, Jim, I did not detail the entire family. Okay. But, <laughs> all right. So here's here's what I got. Jenny gave me her character's entire family and her best friend, and she's helping me design the homeland where these people are from. It's very fun. I don't call it homework. It's too fun. Yeah. yeah. Chrissy gave me an entire military squad that Brute her character squad. used to be part of and a resistance member in one of the grim cities so roughly 13 npcs or something like that mm-hmm. grant gave me an entire evil martial arts order <laughs> and basically like the evil rockefellers yeah the evil rockefellers a sensei and then there's another character that i've just got like a race and an alignment for at the bottom of the sheet that hasn't been filled in yet yeah also the evil rockefellers good band name jump on that guys (laughs) oh yeah yeah that would be a good band name and then our anonymous player has given me a bunch of family members and they're kind of tied into like various holy orders in the church and then you know a couple of scary criminals and possibly an escaped fiend so yeah i've got i mean i could just i could literally just take the npcs that my players have given me and start working with them and get a significant chunk of a long-running campaign out of it yeah let's also talk about how so many of these npcs are family which is so freaking rare in D. Oh, i know because everybody has to be an orphan so that the d so that the gm doesn't use the family against this this character i actually yeah. want to talk about that a little bit because one of the things chrissy and i identified pretty early on is that family has suddenly just even from character creation become a big theme of this game yeah jenny a lot of your backstory conflicts are family related yeah Uh, mine is family related because i've kind of got two families i've got the like the crime family side of things and this wealthy family that i'm the black sheep of chrissy doesn't have like a normal family but she's got an adopted family in the brute squad that she came from there's our anonymous player his whole shtick is that he's got this massive, extended, hyper-welcoming family, and he's got this 
kind of odd relationship where like they know what he's doing and they're like, yeah, it's cool. He's trying his best. He's adorable. He's, <laughs> he's just being a little emo about it. It's whatever. <laughs> but we're all like finding alternative families. And we've kind of got our little group, the traditional, you know, we kind of pick our own family. And that is our, our D&D adventuring group kind of thing yeah. going on. So family has very quickly become a theme of this game. And I'm really interested to explore that. Yeah. Oh, and you're you're going to see some more of it. There are a couple of families in the town that you guys are in that you have already met one member of each. You have met Sheriff Wallstone. He mm -hmm. has several other family members that are also NPCs in the town. Mm -hmm. And you have met Cassie Larkin, and she has a couple of other NPCs that are family members of hers in town. Hmm. So, yeah, because, you know, any mid good mid-size Western town just has extended families that have interacted yeah, over yeah. the generations. Or and in this case, tiny little one. There's about 3,500 people in Lestant. But <laughs> well, yeah, but you know what I mean? Like that idea yeah. of like, these are just the town families. Yeah. Yep. Deliberately going for that. So... Like, and I think that's super cool because you're right, Jenny, traditionally, D&D characters have no backstory, no hooks. You get yeah. nothing on my character. Yeah. It's like, no, let's just throw it all out there and yeah. explore it. Yeah. And, I, you know, I I really do appreciate kind of the gesture of trust that that was that you guys gave me <laughs> where it was like, because usually there, to go back to our battered gaming group syndrome episode a while back, the... Batman backstory is usually a form of players trying to construct their own plot armor. Yeah. You know, it's like there's there's nothing that you can grab and twist to hurt me in this game, you know? It's like <laughs> yeah. you can only attack me directly, you know? Although I'm beginning to think that this battered G, uh, GM battered gaming group thing is really just a battered Peter thing, given some <laughs> other stuff that happened in, in my game. <laughs> now, now, <laughs> you are also... I mean, come on, man. You were the one who was forced to detailed roleplay out how you opened a door at one point in your game. <laughs> I mean, this is You had true. a cleric with no score under 60, and that didn't matter. I mean, <laughs> you've been through your traumatic gaming stuff, too. Don't throw this all out. I have, me. but I think I have less <laughs> trauma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... There was one particular game, I think, that probably had more of an effect on me than... That's what it sounds like. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. And you're right, like, that defensiveness isn't there, and it's made for some really interesting character development, and mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other thing, too, is it's like the sort of stuff that comes up when I get this... All of this, like, richly detailed stuff is not like, ah, ha, 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 I've got them in my sights now. It's like, oh, my gosh, wouldn't it be cool if X did Y and then, you know, Z got involved and it's like, you know, it's just it's interesting plot stuff. It's not gotcha stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. And it is kind of interesting that a lot of us created parts of the world for you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's well, that's kind of fun. And I wanted that, you know, it's like one of the original things that I wanted to do was actually sit down and do like a, a microscope or something. But it was the palette was a little too detailed by the time um, we got around to session zero. So we scrapped yeah. that idea. So I've gone with this instead where it's like, all right, you guys, you know, you've all read all the, you know, zillions of blog posts that I've written about this. You know, the setting as well as I do as far as what's been written down. So, you know, what'll fit and what won't. Tell me about where you're from. Tell me about who you're from, you know? And 
everybody has stepped up in a very cool way. So it's yeah. going to be fun to play with that stuff. Definitely. I'm- the, my, my biggest problem right now is it's like, I am so anxious to start using all of this. It's like, how can I work this? And it's like, no, Peter, they're in the starting town. It would be very contrived. <laughs> Let them move to some other location before you start drawing all this in. I will yeah. say I am very much looking forward to the blog posts because like I know what I've been collaboratively making with you, but I don't know yeah. what you've been collaboratively making with everybody else. So I'm really looking well, forward to those seeing. Well, at this point, you're the only one who's actually doing a blog post with me. So okay. the um, although it wouldn't be terrible to do a series like that with the other three players. Yeah. yeah. Now that you mention it, our, our anonymous one might be hard because he likes to be anonymous, but I suppose yeah. I could anonymize him. Yeah. You just um, say I did this with this other guy. Yeah, yeah, there might be something there. Speaking of games making progress, I guess this is a good way to roughly and and horribly segue to my own game, uh, which has just wrapped up. I guess we can talk about making progress. There's a segue. Um, But we did just wrap up a major arc in our campaign. So that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Peter, apparently you just have issues where you assume I long to burn my own setting to the ground while you guys aren't looking in pursuit of player misery. No, you know what? I um, what it actually is, is your villains actually scare me. (laughs) Fair. Fair. Like... (laughs) Anti bloat actually scared me. General Gage actually scares me. (laughs) I need to step up my game for the actual big bad then. (laughs) I'll I'll be honest. Uh, Big bad is like cartoony, stereotypical D and D villain. Honestly, so I got I got to step that up. You you doing that would probably do a pretty good number on me. <laughs> okay, for those at home, so, yeah, because now they're thoroughly confused. Yeah, they really yeah, are. Who's the so general basically, guy? Um, this is the colonization settlement kind of game that I've been running. A little bit of backstory: There were two ships sailing in to uh, to explore and settle in this area, and they got split up in a bad hurricane, and both of them shipwrecked. The player characters conveniently were all on one. They've had adventures. It's all great. They just happened to hear uh, from a rescued slave being traded around by a bunch of gnolls that the other colony ship did, in fact, survive. They were on a much less nice island, as it turned out, full of demon worshipping gnolls and uh, other things. I like how you say that as if there's any other kind of gnoll. (laughs) Well, in this setting, there isn't yet. We'll see. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose there's the one with no memory that we've got back with us. He might oh. be okay in time. Yeah, yeah, the amnesiac one who definitely doesn't have any lingering issues. No, no, that that, that sort of society doesn't mess you up at all. <laughs> <laughs> what basically ended up happening was the other colony was kind of surrounded and uh, much like the original Jamestown decided to build their fort in the middle of a swamp. Because that was where they happened to be when they got surrounded. Uh, So they've been in the middle of a swampy, unfarmable mess, basically pinned in their walls for a few months uh, under martial law because uh, one of the soldiers is a bit ambitious and has risen up the ranks and is definitely not a lawful evil paladin. Definitely not. (laughs) No, definitely not a lawful evil paladin of conquest. No No. way. (laughs) The the unnatural aura of menace that surrounds him is purely in the character's minds. (laughs) Martial law being short of his stick, he's done a few bad things, but he's also fairly canny. And so, I mean, let's be honest, he probably did try and eliminate the player characters. (laughs) 
By sending them on what he thought was a suicide mission. Yeah, because, I mean, everyone else he'd sent to the West had died. Why not them? (laughs) So that kind of didn't quite work out. You guys ended up making peace with some other folks around. He was all, I'm sure, very annoyed about that. I haven't actually... Thought about yeah. what his feelings okay, are on so, that. Okay, so so let let's let's toot the party's horn a little bit here. So we we got sent off to the the west because he figured that was a convenient way of getting rid of us. We eliminated one major threat, made peace with another one, looped back around, stole a boat from a third one, and then took everybody out of his fort back to the colony. In <laughs> fairness, you didn't actually eliminate the first threat, although we did have a lot of fun with that. Yeah, that's true. That that got away, but it, we defeated a major threat. <laughs> yeah, uh, our fighter got to knock the darkness out of a, off of an oni by swinging a table at him. Its own Ooh. table at it. Yeah, <laughs> he, he hit an oni with his own table and knocked the darkness out of. Yeah, him. <laughs> turns out concentration checks are required for darkness spells. So he literally, uh, with disadvantage, by the way smacked Anoni with his improvised his table as an improvised weapon <laughs> so hard that he failed the con check. Oh no. Yeah, I feel like I feel like this is like the comeuppance for him missing with the reef shark all the way back in session 1. It, it really was. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, long and short of it is they uh, they had a lot of fun and this guy kind of seeing what was in the wind decided Good, we're breaking camp and heading back uh, with you, just like you suggested, and managed to finagle things so that he showed up in bright, shining armor with the tattered colony flag at the prow of the ship, landed and went, Behold, I have kept them alive. I am awesome. Look at me, the hero. Which is exactly what every good villain should present themselves as. (laughs) So now the party has rescued a pretty awful dude who's technically one of their own, but is definitely evil. I mean, they just know. Yeah. Also, they can't do anything about it yet. Oh, we can't do anything overt about it yet. We started doing covert things about it the very same evening. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> you would not let us go to bed until you had started laying groundwork to move against this guy. <laughs> <laughs> On multiple fronts. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty so pleased let, with let this. Me, let me be explicit about this. This guy offends me. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't already tell. He's a lot of fun. And it turns out having a uh, a blackguard in your midst is really good when he's totally presenting himself as a hero of the people and has got about 60 odd colonists who are like, no, this guy saved us. <laughs> yeah, 10 of whom are professional soldiers. So they're going to have fun with that. So yeah, I, I've been really happy with, uh, with that game. But Peter did like the f- first thing out of his mouth in the game. It was like, Grant, I want you to know. If Gage burns our home base down while we're not there, I'm going to be I'm just going to lose interest in the game. Like and I'm like, <laughs> Peter, what do you think I'm going to do? <laughs> Actually, I, I think it, I think it was the uh, I think it was the Kenku village I was referring to. But well, no, I think you, you were talking about landing specifically, but it didn't matter. OK, Peter, do you think I'm going to like while you guys are gone, have an NPC murder the setting that you guys are invested in? <laughs> Is that what I you mean, expect? No, we it's going to just happen. brought Hernan Cortez back. I wouldn't put it past this guy. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, don't get me wrong. He's going to do it, but he's going to do it while you are there to interact with it. He's not going to do it while you guys are off adventuring somewhere. No, the classic you wake up and the coup has started. Like, that's going to be a thing. Probably. I'm guessing. <laughs> 
but you're going to wake up with the coup having started. You're not going to like come back and the coups happened for a week and everyone you know and love is dead. Yeah, see that? <laughs> see, I, that's kind of like the way that I was thinking of it is like, oh, man, I know Grant likes both drama and tragedy. And what would be more dramatic and tragic than to come back and like <laughs> the entire system has been torn down. All the good NPCs have been executed and are like hanging from a tree and stuff. It's like, I can't handle that. I just need to have this <laughs> off now. No, no, no. Listen. In in fairness, I was also reviewing like Pillars of Eternity stuff uh, that yeah. same week. And Pillars of Eternity, for those who have not played it, I'm going to spoil the first half hour of the game here. Okay? The first one, not the second one that just came out. <laughs> you start bleak. out you start out sick in a caravan. You go off to find some berries with somebody else. You come back. Your entire caravan has been butchered by bandits. There's one survivor of that who goes with you. You flee into a cavern with him and the guy that you are with. When this horrible, like, spirit-sucking storm blows through, you fight your way through the cavern, come out the other side, another plot thing happens, both of them get killed, you go alone to the starting town, and when you arrive there, there's, what, 40-some-odd people that have been hanged? Just uh, swinging in the breeze from this tree, the, which is the first thing you see when you walk into the town. Oh, lovely. That may have influenced my mood when this stuff happened. Yeah, maybe. But the, the point is, I'm not going to do this while you guys have no chance to interact with it. Yeah. The no, point I... is to, you know, have drama and interest and exciting and da you know dangerous story happen while you guys are there to have fun with it and yeah. head it off and have say in the dramatic action of the story like <laughs> players if i want to write a story where everyone dies i can do that on my own time oh i know you can <laughs> i'll be honest with you christy and i were laughing about that the rest of the night <laughs> it was like, what, what does peter think i'm going to do <laughs> something significantly more awful than you actually were planning on clearly yeah, but it's it's fun. We're moving into a new stage of the game, a little more higher powered, which is kind of fun. You guys are like seventh level, which is Ooh. really when like the supernatural power of D&D &D characters really starts to express itself. Oh, Maybe a you know something? Then. There was something that was cool with that, too. We were able to fix the sword that had taken over Lambert. So that's a regular oh. sword now, too. Yeah, so, so you got nice. yourself a plus one sword. I did like that we were able to turn... I cast remove curse on the sword or disenchant or whatever it was. Banishment. Banishment. Yeah. yeah. I cast banishment on this cursed sword. It is no longer cursed. We got to turn that into a bit of like a role playing and info dump. Yeah. Because the specific spirit that was in there came out and told us some setting stuff. Yeah. Ooh. So anyway, it's been a fun, uh, fun game. Uh, a lot of good moments. I do like presenting you with villains that you love to hate. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it you sounds sure like did we're a doing good that. job so far. <laughs> yeah. And, and by the way, full credit goes to Chrissy for helping me kind of figure out how to get out of this situation, because a couple months ago, I was about ready to end the game because I felt I'd written myself into a corner. Oh, it was just like, I, I don't know what to do with this. I feel like I've kind of dragged them out here and there's no good solution and blah, 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 blah. And she was like, well, what if this happened? I was like, oh, well, that would be so much smarter. And so much more retconned something else, too, that surprised me a little bit, but I just went with it. Originally, the boat that dropped us off went back to the colony. You had them linger kind of to the south of where we were, so we actually had some more skilled sailors. That may have been just one of those cases where, like, I'd forgotten what I'd said or something, because I thought they were mm. lingering. Okay. I, okay. 
I thought you said they weren't going to be able to, but I don't know. We talked yeah. so much that setting, I could be misremembering. Yeah, it's too. one of those small details where, like, the GM said one thing, player said something else, and it didn't really matter. But yeah, yeah <laughs> it's fine. So yeah, we we um we have an opportunity for more action in the colony itself, which has kind of been missing, weirdly enough. Yeah, some more intrigue. The other thing that's kind of interesting is I do like how you've managed to break this game up into arcs. So that's that's kind of cool, too. It's kind of coincidental, honestly. It, it was kind of convenient because like, hey, here's a big bad on the island. Once you've killed that off, like the island is yours now. The island you've landed on is yours. There's a wyvern hanging around, but whatever. It's not bothering you. Yeah. <laughs> Yet. Well, it, the only reason it's going to start bothering them is when it figures out that one of the halflings is starting to ranch giant capybara. Ah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Also, when it's eggs hatch. <laughs> also, by the way. If you think giant capybara is in kind of a redundant statement, we really do mean giant capybara. Instead of oh, yeah. being the size of a German shepherd like they usually are, these are the size of an ox. Oh. So. Yeah. But yeah, so we have an opportunity to kind of get back into the colony and get into like part of the world that is not just miserable and famine ridden. Yeah. So that's fun. Enough bad stuff happened there where I actually... Like, mentioned my character going off and having a breakdown after we got back to the colony. Yeah. And to be clear, this is the kind of game where we can just narrate, my character goes off and has a breakdown. That's good. Yeah, nobody nobody mocked me over it. Everybody was kind of like, oh, yeah, I guess that would make sense. He, <laughs> yeah. this, all this violence and stuff isn't real easy for a guy like Lambert. Yeah. So, so it's it's been good. And I'm looking forward to figuring out what the next arc is. I think that's about it. I had on our outline that I should talk about Headspace, but we got like halfway through the first session. We haven't really done a lot with it yet. This yeah. is the, just to be clear to everybody, this is the new game with your um, other gaming group that. Yes, the uh, cyberpunk. Yeah, yeah, cyberpunk. Everybody shares skills and emotional baggage tied to those skills game. It, yeah, interesting. I'm really interested to hear how that one goes. Yeah. It's intriguing. Is it one of those things where it might be a little high concept to make work or? No, I don't think so. There is a little bit of a problem in the writing of the game itself where it mm. there is an element of guess what the author wanted you to do. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. But. Well, not everybody's Robin Laws. So. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's evocative, but it's one of those games where it's like, cool, there's stuff. And then it's, you get in there. It's like, okay, I understand conceptually what we're trying to do at a high level. I don't understand what. I roll the die and X happens actually means in this setting. Mm. Like, I don't understand what we're trying to do in terms of, like, the most immediate action we're taking. Okay. So that was a little bit of an issue. Uh, some of it is that there's a new GM, like this is their first time GMing. Yeah. And they're depending heavily on their husband to help them with the system itself. And he's one of those guys who's been gaming for decades. And so there's a sometimes, I think, a little bit of a, a, a disconnect. But she's got a really cool setting figured out. It's cyberpunk, but it's not one of the traditional mega urban environs. You know, it's hmm. not this giant Seattle sprawl of Shadowrun or anything like that. It's not an huh. arcology or something. Yeah, nothing like that. One of the cool things about the game is there are corporations, these giant megacorps, and yeah. they all have explicit goals and they all have shadow goals. And they're, they're kind of just laid out in front of everybody. And so that kind of gives us something to hang our narration on because this is powered by the apocalypse and we know a shocking amount as players. 
Well, you kind of have to for that sort of a game to work, right? Yeah. And so this is about 100 years in the future. Global warming's really bad. And South Carolina has lost a bunch of coastline. And so one of the megacorps, their jobs is land reclamation. Mm. So that's kind of a cool thing where there's a whole corporation that's building dikes and reclaiming farmland from the sea and things like that, which is not something you normally get in a a cyberpunk game. It's always like, oh, manufacture weapons. Yeah. There's a company that manufactures weapons, don't get me wrong, but there's also one that's just like, <laughs> no, we're, we try and just get land. That's our mm. shtick. Yeah. Turns out it's it's real valuable and some of the fertile stuff is underwater. Yeah. Disney, by the way, is surrounded by a giant bubble because of course it is. Huh. Yeah. Because they have infinite money. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> there's uh, seawater lapping gently at the walls, but who cares? You know, Space <laughs> Mountain's still open. It's cool. Uh, so, you know, there's it's a fun setting and she's doing a good job with it, but there's a learning curve for everyone. Because the game is, like I said, a little unclear. It's very high concept in a good way. She's a new GM and we're all kind of trying to figure out how to roleplay this. But by the end of it, we started getting pretty comfortable with it. And that was good. Mm. Peter, you and I were having a conversation and a lot of other folks were as well having a conversation about backseat GMing. Yeah. We were uh, having this on our uh, Discord. I think I'm doing a little too much backseat GMing in that game as well, and I need to back <laughs> off on that. You know, that's the the thing when you're you're used to it. It's so hard because you're you're used to like, okay, you know, I'm the person who has to keep things flowing. I need to make sure everybody stays on track, and mm. some of that stuff as a player isn't it isn't bad to have somebody who's got some GMing skill who's like, all right, guys, come on, we're you know we're burning game time here. Let's right. let's actually get moving. But yeah. you don't want to yank the reins out of the GM's hand either. That's just rude. Yeah. So I said I wasn't going to talk about Headspace and then I did. So I apologize. Whoop. <laughs> oh, no. Not more content. Oh, no. Not more editing. We're up to an hour and a half for a bonus episode. <laughs> anyway, hope you've enjoyed a slightly ramblier than usual episode. I know I have. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Let loose a little bit here. Ottawa Comic Con sounds like it was a rad time. I will, like I said, try and link everything I can in the show notes. So check that out. Yeah, stay tuned next time. We're going to have an episode on, because we can talk about this. It's a bonus episode. Who cares? Uh, We're going to be talking about getting started as a GM, which I believe is the topic that our Patreon supporters selected, which is cool. But it's also a topic that's come up a couple of times elsewhere. And I think is one that we can really stand to give some good detailed discussion on. So I'm excited about that as well. All right. Well, from all of us here at Saving the Game, have a good one. Take it easy. Take care of your con crud. Anybody who's got it. (laughs) We'll catch you next time. (laughs) See ya. See ya. This has been a production of Saving the Game. All episodes are produced and published under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution share alike license. Our logo is by Ruben Smith Zimple of 3d6design.com. Our music is The Promised Place Beyond the Clouds by James Opie. You can find more of his music at nihilor.com. To hear our past episodes, to find syndication and license details, to connect with our fantastic listener community, or to contact us or support our show through Patreon, visit our website at stgcast.org or savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, do good, and happy gaming.